0: On Friday, the Court of Appeal gave judgment in Southwark London Borough Council versus Ludgate House Limited, an important case on non-domestic rates involving the use of property guardians as a rates mitigation measure for empty properties. Joining me to discuss Ludgate House in this latest episode of On the Case is Roger Cohen, partner at Brian Cave Leighton Paisner, who you may have heard discussing empty property rates with me before. Great to speak to you again, Roger.
1: Hi Jess, it's great to be back.
0: So let's take a look at Ludgate House starting with the basics and um, can you outline for us what property guardians are and, and what they've got to do with non-domestic rates for vacant properties?
1: So property guardians are individuals who need some accommodation and their needs for accommodation are by giving them somewhere to live in premises which are otherwise vacant. So think of an office block which is due to be redeveloped. So uh, if you put uh, people who need housing into empty offices, uh, the question comes up as to how the offices should be treated for rating purposes. Now, remember, we call uh, rates non-domestic rating because they are a tax on non-domestic property. Uh, If you have domestic property, then that will be liable for uh, council tax. So the idea is that there's a win-win solution for the building owner, for the companies who organise property guardianship schemes and the guardians themselves. The guardians themselves get somewhere to live. The people who organise guardianship services for building owners are doing that for a fee on a professional basis, and why not? And the building owners are looking for a structure which uh, does two things. Number one, it provides some measure of security, protection against squatting, and so on. But also, it enables uh, an argument to be run that the premises are no longer being used for uh, non-domestic purposes, purposes, and therefore they come out of rating. And as a final point on that, um, perhaps it needs hardly to be said, that um, rating uh, produces bigger bills for building owners than council tax does um, uh, in relation to the same building.
0: Yeah, so that uh, obviously uh, provides the impetus for, for, for doing this, and you use the word structure and, and words like structure and product and, and scheme tend to be used uh, for these uh, efforts to, to mitigate um, business rates, for, for to use a short phrase. Um, So with this particular structure, this particular scheme, what, prior to Friday, putting aside the Court of Appeal decision, what was felt to be the precise measures that were needed for property guardians uh, to be an effective rates mitigation scheme?
1: Well, the arrangements that were put in place uh, in the uh, case itself uh, were that there were two sets of agreements. There was an agreement between the building owner and the provider of the services Um, that stated that the provider uh, did not enter into a landlord and tenant relationship with the building owner. Uh, The service provider uh, could not exclude the building owner from the premises. The provider was not the agent of the building owner and uh, the provider was not itself entitled to occupy what its role and its obligation was, uh, was to grant licences to individuals who um, wished to occupy. Now, the second set of agreements were between the service provider and the individuals. And um, the individuals signed up to the fact that they would not have security of tenure as tenants. Uh, They would guarantee to be a residential presence, which meant that they would sleep away from the premises no more than two nights in every seven. Um, they could occupy the whole of the building. They had no exclusive possession. Uh, they might get a room of their own. And so the intention was uh, that the uh, guardians would have a right to occupy, but they would not enjoy any security of tenure. And the building owner would have some flexibility to be able to bring the uh, occupation by the guardians to an end on 30 days notice so that it could then um, get on with its redevelopment and let's just say that was the context for this it's an empty building the tenants have moved out and the owners um, were obtaining planning permission for a redevelopment which did in fact take place
0: However, uh, understandably, the efficacy of this uh, scheme was a matter of some dispute. Uh, Can you outline for us its progress uh, through the the tribunals up to this point?
1: Well, evidently, the London Borough of Southwark, as the authority responsible for collecting the rate, were not happy on this occasion. Um, I say on this occasion because um, uh, the use of guardians is common. Um, Mm -hmm. What made this case special was the size of the premises. We're talking about a lower ground floor, ground and then nine floors above, and a floor plate on average of about 20,000 square feet. So Mm -hmm. there was a lot, a lot of space uh, to to fill up. So what happened was the Guardians moved in uh, on the 1st of July 2015. Um, Southwark got to inspect in January 2016. Um, and they were not happy because by the time they did their inspection, the valuation officer who has the duty to maintain the rating list had already deleted the assessments for office use from the rating list. And um, what the valuation officer had then gone on to do was to enter each floor as a separate dwelling for council tax. And as mm-hmm. we've discussed that meant less revenue, a lot less revenue, coming into Southwark. So Southwark's position, having inspected, uh, was that they wanted the original assessments uh, restored. Jess, uh, there's, there's no magic in the fact that there were two assessments. It just so happened there had been some different ownership, uh, of one, one part of one of the floors uh, which which that reflected. So um, so, they, so Southwark either wanted the two assessments restored, or a new entry showing the whole of the building as something called a composite hereditament. In brief, a composite hereditament is uh, premises which are part domestic and part non-domestic, and um, if they're treated as one unit, they can be bundled up and and, uh, and valued uh, in that way. Now, Southwark indicated that they would accept a deal under which two and a half floors would be acknowledged to be domestic and therefore council taxable, and the rest of the premises as non-domestic. But the building owner would not agree to that. Whilst the building owner was delighted that two and a half floors would be treated as domestic, the building owner wanted the rest of the premises treated as domestic as well. And so uh, a case uh, went forward uh, initially in the valuation tribunal. Now, what happens was that the valuation tribunal did a site visit, and what they were struck by was the what they thought was the vast amount of space, um, as I've mentioned, twenty thousand square feet or so per floor, and um, that obviously had a big impact on them because they said, no, this is this is not um, a building which has been uh, given over to domestic use by the Forty-six or so property guardians who were living there. It was so vast; it was obviously uh, just an empty office. And so the valuation tribunal um, threw out the proposals by uh, uh, the pair the uh, building owner, uh, for um, uh, for uh, recognition of the domestic use. So then the case went from the valuation tribunal uh, up to the upper tribunal, and. um, the upper tribunal who were deciding this before the Supreme Court gave its decision in the ATM's case, uh, they did an analysis of what was going on and they came to the conclusion that um, on the established principles, uh, we're dealing here with uh, a building that was no longer in non-domestic use but was um, in so far as it was occupied by anybody, was occupied domestically and therefore council tax was the only tax that might apply. And understandably,
0: Southwark was not uh, content with that decision in this particular case uh, and it took them matter to the Court of Appeal, uh, which as I mentioned earlier, gave judgment on Friday. And The, the Court allowed Southwark's appeal, which I imagine has uh, really set the cat among the pigeons. So what did it decide?
1: So what the Court of Appeal grappled with was what was the correct test for deciding whether or not there was still a rateable uh, property here. That was the first question. Was Ludgate House a single hereditament, rateable unit for property, for rating purposes, on the 1st of July 2015? You'll recall that was the date on which the First Guardians moved in. And um, were the rooms which the uh, guardians occupied in the separate rateable occupation. And um, what, the, what the judgment in the Court of Appeal did was to review the case law and um, decide what was the correct test to apply. Now, I imagine, Jess, you'd like to know what the options were. And oh, so I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm I'm to tell you that there were two. <laughs> uh, one is the uh, one is the question whether the building owner was in paramount occupation of the building, um, or whether uh, the question was whether the building owner was in general control of the building. Now it might be helpful at this stage if I was to say a little bit about the ATMs case in the Supreme Court.
0: Certainly, go ahead.
1: So um, to clarify an interest, because I was I a was, um, stuff for Tesco in that case, um, the, uh, the case concerned whether the space occupied by cash machines in food stores should be separately rated from the food store. And um, the Supreme Court said no, because the uh, operator of the ATM machine, which was Bank and the operator of the food store, which was a retail company, they were both on the same side. um, In the case of Tesco and also one of the other retailers, uh, both subsidiaries in the same group. And the services which were being provided cash, mobile phone top ups, uh, and also sales of, for example, groceries were all intended to be to the same group of people. So the store was in general control of the ATM space and that meant you treated it as just one rateable unit which was just the outcome that the retailers and the banks wanted. Now in the Guardian's case you're dealing with space at the other end of the scale rather than say one square meter for the space assembly. Uh, We're dealing here with uh, you know something like 180,000 square feet and um, In order to decide whether or not uh, you looked at paramount occupation or general control, uh, the Court of Appeal said that you have to look at what the purpose of the uh, occupation might be. So the question was, what was the purpose of the occupation uh, by the guardians? Court of Appeal's conclusion was that the guardians were also on the same side as the building owners um, uh, in, in, in seeking to provide uh, residential accommodation, uh, a domestic uh, situation, if you like. And therefore, um, you looked at who was in general control. The people who were in general control were the owners of the building. And therefore, you had one rateable unit.
0: So we've mentioned obviously that, that the use of property guardians is quite widespread um, and that uh, so that objection was, was maybe more focused at this particular type of property rather than properties in general. So what are the, going to be the implications of Lodgate House? I mean, what does it in, in, in practice mean both for property owners and, and for property guardian providers? Well,
1: I mean- It means that uh, one's going to have to look at the arrangements by which guardians are provided, uh, the contractual arrangements by which they're provided, to see whether it's possible to come up with a solution that uh, would satisfy even uh, this division of the Court of Appeal. And I imagine that what the property guardian providers and their advisors are doing at the moment is looking at just that. You remember Mm just how we talked about the contract between the building owner Mm -hmm. and the guardian provider and then between the guardian provider and the individual guardians. Um, I I imagine there's some pretty serious thinking being done at the moment to see whether those contracts can be rewritten so that um, one can achieve the desired Mm -hmm. result, which is the recognition of domestic use, but without falling into any other traps, for example, leaving the building owner with a fully tenanted residential building.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's obviously very hard to predict it, a lot depends on, on the property owner's appetite uh, for taking things further, but um, do you think there is uh, much prospect of this case going to the Supreme Court?
1: Uh, there's a point to be argued as to what the common purpose was of the owner and the guardians, um, as we established in the ATM's case, the bank and the who provided the ATM and the stores were absolutely on the same page. I could see a credible argument. I think this is this appeal to the upper tribunal that the uh, guardians. I'm interested in one thing, which is to have a roof over their heads, which is different from the building owners uh, who wanted to have the building secure and safe and also enjoy the um, the, the added value of an empty property rate saving so that could be um, taken further, but it does depend on whether the um the building owner wants to have another go. It also depends on whether the Supreme Court have got the appetite for another rating case after what has been quite a bull run for rating litigators. And of course, who knows what the, uh, the justices would do with the case when presented to them.
0: And as I mentioned at the start, uh, this, this isn't the first time that we have discussed the issue of, of empty property rates and, and the amount of litigation involving business rates, you, you mentioned the ATMs case, in re- recent years does indicate that there is a major problem in this area that, and that, uh, that property owners are rather desperate to avoid uh, what they see as overpaying. And I imagine that this problem is only going to get more pressing uh, as a result of the increase in vacant properties um, because of the pandemic. So what what do you think should be done to solve the problem?
1: Well, we, we, we could run through the various products which are available um, uh, obviously we'll be looking to see whether the Guardian's providers can bounce back from this. Mm. Uh, there's, uh, there are also owners of buildings who uh, make use of the space for storage, which for other reasons can have an effect of mitigating the empty property rates. Um, and there are other possibilities as well. Um, Uh, some of which are the subject of current litigation before the senior courts. But the fundamental problem is with the tax itself. Uh, As I've said more times than is probably decent, empty property (laughs) rates is a tax on failure. It's a tax on failure to find a tenant or a beneficial use for the property. And so um, let's just reflect that once upon a time, there were no empty property rates when they were introduced. Originally, the empty property rate was set at 50% of the uh, rate that otherwise would be payable. Currently, the empty property rate is 100%, and that's a swinging tax if you haven't got a tenant to produce an income or a business to produce a profit from that space. So the, the, the rate of empty property rates has to come down. Um, Also, there's a three-month holiday from when a building first becomes empty until the empty property rates um, kick in. Um, Three months isn't very long for a void period in this marketplace, so that needs to be increased. Um, Ideally, I'd like to see abolition but one also has to recognise that a balance has to be struck when the public finances are under the pressure that they are. So, longer void period before empty property rates becomes chargeable and a lower level of rate, I think, are absolutely essential.
0: Uh, Lastly, uh, to end things on a a festive note, uh, it it, it may well seem that that ratepayers would be saying bar humbug to this decision, but but does Santa have anything uh, for their Christmas stockings this year?
1: Well, let's hope so. Um, I think people in the, in the racing world would be entitled to have a good glass of something agreeable this Christmas. So <laughs> let's, 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 let's provide them with, uh, with, with a bottle of something like that. And then going forward into the new year, um, a token which they can produce to the chance of the exchequer and swap for an effective fundamental review of business rates. Um, Rating surveyors, rating consultants and lawyers and and ratepayers have spent an inordinate amount of time over the last year or two um, contributing to inquiries into the rating system. It does need some pretty effective reform, Uh, so let's hope that uh, if we can take that golden ticket And get uh, a fundamental review that works for everybody.
0: Fingers crossed. Thank you once again uh, for joining me Roger and uh, if I don't speak to you before have a very Merry Christmas.
1: Yes thank you very much for having me and um, happy holidays.